Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Q2 2023 Materialized Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising that your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Harriet Freed of LHA. Please go ahead. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for Materializes quarterly conference call. With us on the call are Fried von Krun, Founder and Chief Executive Officer of Materialize, Peter Lays, Executive Chairman, and Kuhn Berges, Chief Financial Officer. Today's call and webcast are being accompanied by a slide presentation that reviews Materializes strategic financial and operational performance for the second quarter of 2023. To access the slides, if you have not already done so, please go to the Investor Relations section of the company's website at www.materialize.com. The earnings press release that was issued earlier this morning can also be found on that page. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that management may make forward-looking statements regarding the company's plans, expectations, and growth prospects, among other things. These forward-looking statements are subject to known and unknown uncertainties and risks that could cause actual results to differ materially from the expectations expressed, including competitive dynamics and industry change. Any forward-looking statements, including those related to the company's future results and activities, represent management's estimates as of today and should not be relied upon as representing their estimates as of any subsequent day. Management disclaims any duty to update or revise any forward-looking statements to reflect future events or changes in expectations. A more detailed description of the risks and uncertainties and other factors that may impact the company's future business or financial results can be found in the company's most recent annual report on Form 20F filed with the SEC. Finally, management will discuss certain non-IFRS measures on today's call. A reconciliation table is contained in the earnings release and at the end of the slide presentation. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Peter Lays. Go ahead, please, Peter. Thank you, Harriet. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. You can find the agenda for our call on slide three. As the first item on the agenda, I will summarize the highlights of our financial results for the second quarter of this year. Then I will pass the floor to Fried, who will discuss our investments in a new facility for medical mass customization production in the U.S. After that, Kuhn will walk you through our second quarter numbers in more detail. As you may recall, Kuhn assumed the position of our Chief Financial Officer in May of this year. And we've already experienced that he does bring a lot of valuable experience to the role, and as you will notice, he has gotten off to a very quick start. Finally, I will come back to give you some observations about what we currently believe the rest of the year may bring. And as always, when we have completed our prepared remarks, we will be happy to respond to any questions that you may have. So, 
Let's turn to slide four, which summarizes the highlights of our financial results. Our operational performance during the second quarter was very much in line with our very solid performance in the previous quarter. In the second quarter of 2023, we recorded 64.8 million euro in revenues, representing a growth of almost 12% compared to last year's period. Our adjusted EBITDA for the quarter, which was impacted negatively by the unexpected adverse resolution of an arbitration proceeding for a total amount of 5.2 million euro, amounted to 4.8 million euro, which is still a 12% growth compared to last year's period. In the absence of this one-time adverse event, our current EBITDA margin of 7.3% would have been 15.3%. As a result of this unexpected event, our net results turned negative to 0.5 million euro negative or minus one euro cent per share for the period. And with that, I would like to pass the floor to Fleet. Thank you, Peter. Good morning or good afternoon to all of you listening to this call. After the tailwind that we discussed a quarter ago in our medical business, we faced a serious headwind in Q2-23 at the EBITDA level. But fundamentally, we confirmed the robustness of our profitable growth in medical devices and software during this quarter. In essence, the medical segment performed at the level of revenue and operational profitability even stronger in Q2 than in Q1, where we talked about the tailwind. If we want to ensure profitable growth in the longer term, we need to invest wisely in our medical activities. In the important U.S. market, our personalized implants are the major growth driver. Until now, Materialized manufacture titanium CMS implants solely at our 3D printing facility in Belgium. This will change when our new production line in Plymouth will become operational this summer. The new facility will not only provide capacity for further growth, it will also improve our service offering strategically in the United States. With the opening of this 3D printing line, Materialize will accelerate the delivery of patient-specific medical implants to patients in the United States. Surgeons are increasingly embracing 3D printing solutions as they recognize the added value these solutions bring to personalized patient care, including a more predictable and accurate surgical outcome and time savings during the surgery. At the new production line in our Plymouth facility, Materialize specializes in the 3D printing of personalized titanium craniomaxillofacial implants for the reconstruction of bone segments. CMS implants are used for facial reconstructive surgery, facial asymmetry resolution, bite corrections, as well as gender affirmation surgery. 
with a dedicated 3D printing facility in the US, we can respond to surgeons' needs with greater reliability while significantly reducing the delivery time of fully personalized implants to less than a week for US patients. This expansion of capabilities complements materialized existing production of 3D printed surgical guides and models that existed already in the United States. It also expands our collaboration with the Presynthesis Division of Johnson & Johnson for the delivery of patient-specific instruments and CMS implants. Currently, Materialized produces 280,000 personalized 3D printed tools and implants per year, of which 160,000 are for the U.S. market. The advent of technologies such as 3D printing and advanced visualization techniques has transformed personalized patient care. Patient-specific 3D printed medical solutions include surgical guides to enhance the accuracy and the efficiency, anatomical models for diagnostic purposes, and finally, the reconstructive implants themselves. These solutions are designed to bolster surgeons' comfort before and during surgery, leading to more predictable and accurate surgical outcomes. As a result, surgeons increasingly adopt 3D printing as part of their medical practices to bring personalized care closer to the patient while reducing overall costs for the healthcare system. Materialize has more than three decades of experience in developing FDA-cleared medical solutions. We offer a comprehensive range of medical visualization and surgical planning software solutions. 3D printed guides and implants are additional components to our solution that empower researchers, engineers, and clinicians to revolutionize innovation patient care. 30 years ago, surgical solutions were highly standardized. Patient-specific solutions were very rare for unfortunate patients that really had no alternatives. For the medical device industry, it was highly unprofitable to deliver personalized implant solutions, and as a consequence, it was only done in a compassionate care context. Materialized has pioneered numerous groundbreaking medical 3D planning and printing applications, and we continue to do so with our ever-increasing research and development efforts. We have built a leading position by changing the mindset. Now, patient-specific surgical solutions can be delivered in a cost-effective and economically viable way by the healthcare industry. Custom surgical solutions are still very valuable for the unfortunate patients in rare, complex situations, often overcoming the limits of current standard treatments. For instance, in 2021, materialized innovative 3D planning and printing tools played a pivotal role in the world's first simultaneous double hand and face transplant, 
that was successfully performed at NYU Langone House in New York City. But today, personalized implant solutions are also important for more patients that suffer from more frequent diseases or accidents. Thanks to mass customization, more people can benefit from the first-time right approach and better quality solutions in a cost-effective way that enhances the quality of our healthcare systems. In 2017, we introduced one of the first personalized CMS implant portfolios in the United States. This is an opportunity for the healthcare industry and for Materialize in particular. With the opening of our new 3D printing facility in the U.S., we bring personalized care closer to U.S. patients. And at the same time, thanks to our software offering, we bring the concepts and building blocks of mass customization also closer to the U.S. healthcare industry. The Plymouth facility acts as the regional headquarters for our medical and industrial software solutions in the U.S. Thanks to the expanded facility, we are now able to demonstrate even better than before how all of our tools operate in a patient-specific context for real AM product development and for real TV printing production lines and on top of that in a certified environment. Let me now pass the call to Kuhn. Thank you, Fritz. And good afternoon or good morning to you all. I'll begin with a brief review of our consolidated revenue on slide six. Please note that unless stated otherwise, all comparisons in this call are against our results for the second quarter of 2022. Revenue increased by almost 12% to 64.8 million euro. The growth took place in all three of our business segments. Our software segment grew by 3.6%, our medical segment by 19.6 and manufacturing revenue increased by 8.5%. The amount of deferred revenues from software, license and maintenance fees on our balance sheet amounted to 41.7 million euro at the end of June 23, compared to 42.8 million euro at the end of last year. Over the second quarter of 2023, materialized software accounted for 17% of our total revenue, materialized medical for 38%, and materialized manufacturing for 45%. Cross-segment revenue from software products represented 29% of our total revenue. Moving on to slide 7, you will see that our consolidated adjusted EBITDA grew to 4.8 million euro compared to 4.3 million euro for the same period last year, which is an increase of more than 12%. This represents an adjusted EBITDA margin of 7.3%. The increase in adjusted EBITDA follows our top-line growth while we continue investing in R&D, which is key to materialize further developments. Importantly, as Peter already mentioned, our adjusted EBITDA includes a negative impact resulting from the unexpected adverse resolution of an arbitration proceeding for 5.2 million euro in May of this year. Excluding this one-time event, the adjusted EBITDA margin for Q2 would have been 15.3%. Slide eight 
summarizing the results of our materialized software segment. Software revenue increased by 3.6% to 11 billion euro, driven by an increase of 7% of our recurring revenue from maintenance contracts and renewed licenses, including our co-EM subscription fees. Revenue from non-recurring sales, on the other hand, decreased by 2.8%, reflecting our gradual transition to a recurring business model. Adjusted EBITDA for the second quarter increased from 0.8 million euro last year to almost 2 million euro this year, representing an improved adjusted EBITDA margin of 17.9%. Moving now to slide 9, you will see that our medical business continues growing at a solid double-digit pace of around 20%, both from software and medical devices solutions. Software revenue grew by 26%, while our medical devices business expanded across most of its business lines by an aggregate of 17%. Because of the unexpected adverse resolution of an arbitration proceeding related to our customized joint business for an amount of 5.2 million euro, this quarter the adjusted EBITDA of our medical segment decreased to 2.7 million euro from 4.5 million euro. This is also reflected in the adjusted EBITDA margin, which dropped to 10.8%. Nevertheless, excluding the negative impact of this one-time event, medical's adjusted EBITDA margin would have grown to 31.6% this quarter. Now let us turn to slide 10 for an overview of the Q2 performance of our materialized manufacturing segment. Manufacturing revenue grew 8.5% to 28.8 million euro, boosted by our core manufacturing business lines and Actec. Adjusted EBITDA for the quarter ended at 2.7 million euro compared to 1.6 million euro for the same period last year, representing an improved adjusted EBITDA margin of 9.4%. This result includes continued investments in our motion and eyewear business lines, and temporary higher subcontracting expenses while we await the startup of the new Actex production facility planned for 2024. Slide 9 provides the highlights of our income statement for the second quarter. Gross profit margin grew to 57.2% compared to 55.2% in Q2 of last year. Despite continued inflationary pressure, Tight cost control helped us in bringing our operating expenses down by 1.3% compared to the prior year period, to an aggregate of 33.2 million euro. While sales and marketing and general and administrative expenses decreased, respectively by 5% and 2%, we increased our R&D expenditures by 6%. Net operating income mounted to negatively minus 4.5 million euro and includes the negative impact of the earlier mentioned unexpected adverse resolution of an arbitration proceeding for 5.2 million euro. As a result of these elements, the group's operating result was negative by 597,000 euro compared to a negative operating result of 1,084,000 euro last year. The net financial income for Q2 was 635,000 euro, 
and included, included growing interest income from our cash deposits of around 1.1 million euro. Net loss for the quarter was at 494,000 euro or 1 euro cent per share, compared to a net profit of 896,000 euro last year. Now please turn to slide 12 for a recap of balance sheet and cash flow highlights. At the end of the second quarter of 2023, our balance sheet remained strong. Cash amounted to 136.3 million euro, while our borrowing position further decreased to 72.4 million euro, result, resulting in a mid net cash position at the end of the second quarter of 63.9 million euro. Cash flow from operating activities for the second quarter was 775,000 euro. Our operating cash flow consisted of income statement components of 5 million euro, while our working capital increased by 4.2 million euro. Capital expenditures for the quarter amounted to 2.1 million euro and were not externally financed. And with that, I'd like to hand the call back to Peter. Thank you. At the beginning of 2023, we said we expected our full year revenues to be between 255 and 260 million euro. After our solid results in the first half of this year, we believe we are well on track to post full year revenues close to the high end of that range. When we reported roughly three months ago our first quarter results in April, we increased the expected range of our year-end EBITDA by 10% to an amount between 28 and 33 million euro. Today, our strong operational results of the first half of the year allow us to maintain our EBITDA guidance, and this despite the 5.2 million euro adverse arbitration award that we did not expect at the time of our previous call. And with this outlook, I would like to include our prepared remarks. So, operator, please go ahead and open the call to any questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And our first question comes from Troy Jensen of Lake Street Capital Markets. Please proceed. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, congrats on the uh, nice Q2 results here. Thank you, Troy. Hey, so first, um, I guess I want to focus on just some of the profit margin stuff here. I mean, 15.3% adjusted EBITDA. Is that uh, near, is that record, recent record levels for profitability for you guys? Yeah, definitely on the high on the high end. We had previous quarters that were a, a little bit better, like the first quarter, uh, but uh, it's definitely uh, among the better performances. Yep, yep. And obviously, a lot of uh, strength and gross margins. So I guess uh, you know, question would be on the lines of 
second half expectations for gross margins? Can we stay above this uh, 57% level? And then also on EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA, I mean, do you guys think you can run at 15% plus here in the second half? Well, uh, typically we have some seasonality, and the third quarter has been proven consistently uh, a little bit worse in previous years. But, yeah, then you also know that the fourth quarter is normally our best quarter. So over the second half of the year, it will be approximately consistent, but with the differentiation between the two quarters. Right, right. Well, and congrats, guys, on this profitability level. I mean, excluding that nine-cent hit, um, you guys did really good here in Q2. But um, other questions I want to hit, uh, I guess, on, on the medical side, for you, Freed, uh, CMF, is most of your business titanium? And um, just your thoughts about peak versus titanium in, in CMF applications. Well, uh, indeed, titanium uh, implants are the major growth driver. Although we still have uh, a very considerable part of the uh, cases we support that are done with just uh, the, the guides and, and models as well. Uh, so it's not always that uh, the surgeons opt for patient-specific implants and uh, patient-specific guides and, and yeah, patient-specific planning also contribute to uh, still uh, a majority of surgeries where no uh, patient-specific implants are used. Uh, some of those can indeed be with, with peak uh, implants as well. In our experience, it's still a minority. And uh, okay. we believe that titanium is very competitive. And even if peak grows, you guys can obviously make peak-based CMF parts. At this moment, we strongly believe in the added value of, of titanium. I see. Okay. All right. That's interesting. I'll switch gears here. Uh, I know I'm asking a lot, but um, just the 3D software business. Seems like you guys are kicking butt here in, in you know, medical and, and manufacturing. You know, 3D was you know, down sequentially. I think deferred growth dropped a little bit sequentially. So can you just talk about you know, what's going on competitively and you know, link integration or link 3D integration and just, you know, when you think we're going to start to get better growth out of, out of the um, software business? Yeah. We, we face uh, for our software a challenging investment climate at the moment and as far as we can judge, um, this is not only for us the case, uh, it's even beyond the pure additive manufacturing-related software industry, software in general, is, is facing uh, yeah, uh, a difficult investment climate uh, at this very moment. But that doesn't, uh, yeah, doesn't mean that we don't have also some internal transitions that are uh, taking place from uh, our previous model where we, we sold perpetual licenses to annual uh, licenses and subscription models, which is a transition that for our medical software has been ongoing already for five years and that we more recently uh, intensified for the 
industrial software business. So that is also impacting our revenue growth because yeah, if you sell perpetual licenses, you see uh, immediately an immediate revenue recognition, while uh, animals are, let's say, less uh, less recognized uh, in the re as revenue, and but on the other hand, as a as a more long-term uh, recurring revenue impact. Yeah? Uh, and then finally, yeah, we have that transition from uh, engineering tools with with magic to the growth that is also coming from CoEM, which is a more company-wide or at least uh, AM facility-wide uh, investment that is much more strategic and that uh, we warned, but we also experienced that those investments are not made lightly, especially at this uh, moment in the current investment climate, and that is challenging. Uh, of course, uh, we also have to deliver those softwares, and that is also taking longer than delivering an engineering product. So the combination of all of these factors currently seriously weigh on the uh, yeah, growth of the software business. Got it. All right, you guys will once again keep up the good work, uh, and good luck in the second half. Thank, Thank you Troy. very much, Troy. Thank you. One moment for our next question. And our next question comes from Alex Krimersch of Kepler Chevreau. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, also from my side, congratulations on the nice set of results. And maybe a first question to the new CFO, Kun. Um, just wondering how you are settling in your position um, and what are your main priorities at the moment? Um, I'll start with that. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. It's been a very interesting uh, journey so far for me. I've had a chance in the last uh, two months to, to meet a lot of uh, people in the business, both in finance and, and um, also outside finance, trying to uh, understand the, the the business that we're in, and then all the, um, the strengths and weaknesses um, that can be found there. Um, for me, the, the, I think um, um, it was uh, it was it was very interesting to to, to learn all of these. Um, for me, the, the, the key priorities is, is to continue um, delivering um, purely financially um, a good process of, of financial results, um, and, and, and that is a process I think that works quite well. Um, I think the challenge for us is, is like Frida already indicated, to continue that journey towards um, even more recurring um, recurring revenues, especially in our in our software um, business, and and we're taking uh, further steps also to to help support that from from a finance uh, point of view. Okay, thank you. Uh, maybe if I can just elaborate on that uh, recurring revenue side, I saw that the um, the order book or deferred revenue has actually decreased versus Q1. Maybe, it's, maybe this is normal, but I'm just wondering what was the exact uh, reason for that, if, if you could explain that, please. Um, it's it's indeed, indeed correct, Alexander, that we saw a temporary decrease of our deferred revenue that we carry on the balance sheet. Um, that this 
that, that is also partly due to, to timing effects. Um, um, we noticed that, um, for instance, especially also last year, we sold still quite some, some uh, multi-annual licenses in the second quarter. And of course, um, the differently from, from annual licenses, and then they don't come up for renewal um, one year later. Um, so that is a, that is a trend we, we, um, we, of course, we are watching, um, but that impacts our deferred, deferred revenue um, in, in, in the second quarter indeed. Thank you for that. And then on the manufacturing, very interesting to see the AC tech finally coming up. Um, just uh, two questions on that. So one, what would now be the obstacles uh, for you and your clients to get the manufacturing side more attractive um, and that your capacity is actually more filled so also the margins can get a bit higher? Um, and uh, yes, and then also on that part, um, I was just wondering if you, um, you if you could just maybe elaborate on the difference in costs versus the subcontracting and the in-house manufacturing for the AC Tech factory, because uh, you mentioned that in your uh, reports specifically. I was just wondering how, how much the difference is, so we can maybe uh, put an analysis forward. Yes, uh, particularly in relation to architects, we currently face uh, through capacity issues. So the amount is, is, is really higher than uh, what we can deliver. And yeah, Architect is active in a market where fast delivery times are also really important uh, to the, the kind of heavy duty industries and, and automotive industries they are supplying. So uh, that is. Uh, why we we believe that we have uh, yeah serious growth potential on the one hand, and secondly, why it is expensive to subcontract uh, because we have to ask our subcontractors also to deliver uh, very complex and, and big uh, components on on very uh, short notice, and of course. They also ask some, some premium prices for this. Can I, I cannot give you a very clear indication of how much that difference exactly is. I simply can't. Uh, but we, we are confident that we can increase our EBITDA margin further with a, a few percentage points uh, if we can produce enough. But maybe if, to ask if, what's the, the goal there in terms of percentage points or at least the uh, EBITDA margins for the future? Like I said, it's, it's really difficult to, to give this an accurate estimate. Um, so I, I prefer not to give you a, a clear indication at this moment because I simply can't. Okay, thank you. And maybe as a, as a final question, I mean, now that we're going uh, in the second half, we were already almost the end of the of July. Um, what's your visibility typically at the at um, the, the midpoint of the year towards the second half, um, and 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 how does that visibility uh, lead you to project um, your, your guidance at the moment? Considering that the, the last guidance was actually a bit conservative, um, given the, the the five minute impact. Well, 
Yeah, but luckily, it, I said, was sufficiently conservative to completely compensate for that, for us rather big adverse uh, effect that we experienced uh, on, uh, with uh, the yeah, litigation outcome. Uh, now, there is a difference, I must admit, uh, when you asked me the same question last quarter, I, I had I, I could say that uh, while there were uh, in, in the market uh, quite some rumors, not just rumors, but, but uh, companies that announced they experienced some, some downturn of the economic uh, environment, that we were very positive and we didn't see anything of it in our, uh, yeah, quotation levels and, and in, in uh, the, the way the, the market was uh, demanding services from us. I must say at this moment that uh, we see a decline in, in uh, quotation requests. The, the effect on our output is still limited, but we, we must admit that the economic climate for us in particular as is a bit more negative. I won't exaggerate it, but it's a bit more negative than it was a quarter ago. Uh, so uh, maybe it has to do with the summer holiday period, but anyhow, it is uh, worse than a quarter ago. Okay, thank you very much. Again, congratulations on the, the nice set of results. Um, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 11 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 11 again. And I see no further questions, so I would now like to turn the conference back to Peter Lace for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thanks again to all of you for joining us for our Q2 call today. We, of course, look forward to continuing our dialogue with you through investor conferences, including the Lake Street conference that we intend to attend in mid-September, or in one-on-one -on -one virtual meetings or calls. So please reach out to us should you need any further information. Thanks again, and goodbye for now. Goodbye. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating, and you may now disconnect.